welcome to This Week in Brattleboro History, produced by the Brattleboro Historical Society and the Brattleboro Area Middle School. George Washington was born 290 years ago. He was the first president of the United States, leader of the Continental Army during the American Revolution, and presided over the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia. He certainly was a great influence on the founding and formation of the United States. While researching the life of Rattleboro's Susanna Bradshaw, we came across references about George Washington in newspaper articles from the 1840s. Susanna Bradshaw was an infant when her parents moved to Rattleboro in 1823. At the time, the Bradshaws were the only African-American family living in town. The Bradshaws first rented and later purchased a small wooden building on Main Street as a home and workplace. Andrew Bradshaw, Susanna's father, set up a barber shop and garment cleaning business. Susanna's mother, Phoebe Bradshaw, opened the restaurant and catering business. This building was located where Zephyr Designs is presently. The Bradshaws would live in Brattleboro for 20 years. Susanna grew up in town and attended the Newbury Seminary in Newbury, Vermont. The seminary was a boarding school established in 1834. According to information published by the private high school, the goal of the institution was to confer a substantial English education, as well as to give instruction in the modern languages so far as is necessary to prepare the students for admission to college. Susanna's parents worked hard, saved, and provided a rigorous boarding school education for their daughter. Our research indicates that when Susanna was 21 years old, she married Charles Balfour. The wedding took place in Brattleboro, and Balfour was originally from Montego Bay, Jamaica. The marriage news was published in the Boston abolitionist paper called The Liberator, and the newly married couple moved to Boston to begin a new life together. Susanna's father had died the year before, so Mrs. Bradshaw decided to sell her property and move to Boston to live with her daughter and new husband as well. Unfortunately, the next bit of information we could find about Susanna was the announcement of her death in 1848. She was 25 years old, and the Vermont Phoenix reported that she died while living in Boston with her husband. It was while doing this research that we came upon the reference to George Washington in the Middlebury newspaper, the Vermont Observer. The attention-getting headline proclaimed, Washington's Runaway Slave. The article went on to summarize the life of Ona Maria Judge Staines. It turns out that Ona Staines and Susanna Bradshaw both died in 1848. However, the contrast between their two lives is startling. Ona was born in 1773. She was the daughter of Betty, an African-American skilled seamstress owned by Martha Washington's family and Andrew Judge, an English tailor who was contracted to George Washington as an indentured servant for 12 years. When Ona was about 10 years old, she was brought into the Washington household and took on the role of body servant to Mrs. Washington. While Washington served as President of the United States, he first lived in New York City, then Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. In both households, he brought enslaved people from his plantation in Virginia to serve his family's needs in the president's house. Pennsylvania had passed a law to gradually abolish slavery in 1780. According to the law, anyone held as a slave in Pennsylvania for more than six months could be granted their freedom. In order to subvert the law, Washington had his enslaved workers brought across state lines every six months to make sure they did not gain their freedom while working for his family in the president's house. In March 1796, one of Martha Washington's granddaughters was married. George Washington invited the newly married couple to visit Philadelphia and stay at the president's house. Martha Washington told Ona that she was to be given to the granddaughter as a wedding present. As an enslaved person, Ona was considered the property of Martha Washington's family. Ona had no say in this decision. 
In May 1796, Arnold ran away from the presidential house and the Washingtons. She made friends with three African Americans in Philadelphia and they hid her until she could find ships passage to New Hampshire. The Washingtons had called Ona by her childhood nickname, Oni. On May 23, 1796, the following posting was placed in a Philadelphia newspaper. Absconded from the household of the President of the United States, Oni Judge, a light mulatto girl, much freckled, with very black eyes and bushy black hair. She is of middle stature, slender, and delicately formed, about 20 years of age. $10 will be paid to any person who will bring her home. Ona found transportation to New Hampshire on a boat called Nancy. Ona may have thought she would be free once she made it to New Hampshire because the state had legally ended slavery in 1783. However, after only a few months in Portsmouth, Ona was unlucky enough to be seen by a friend of one of Martha Washington's granddaughters. The news was reported to Washington and he contacted a government official in Portsmouth. Washington requested the official track down Ona and convince her to return to Philadelphia. Ona told the official she would rather suffer death than return to slavery and be liable to be sold or given to any other person. She also told the official that she ran away from the Washingtons because she had a thirst for complete freedom. George Washington had signed the Fugitive Slave Law in 1793. It gave the slave owners the legal right to recapture and enslave people who escaped across the state lines, if necessary, with force. In Ona's case, Washington was still president of the United States and did not want to violently force her to return to Philadelphia because it might be controversial. He told the government official to attempt to capture Ona, but only if it would not excite a mob or riot. By abolitionists, Ona remained free. In 1797, Ona married Jack Staines, a free African-American sailor. The couple would have three children. In August 1799, a few months before his death, Washington attempted to find and capture Ona one more time. A nephew of Martha Washington's traveled to New Hampshire on business and George Washington told him to capture Ona and her infant daughter and bring them back to Philadelphia. Washington was no longer president, so this time Washington said it would be all right to use force. Upon his arrival in New Hampshire, Washington's nephew told people while he was there, Words of warning were passed on to Ona, so she traveled to a town eight miles away and hid with another African-American family. Even though Washington's nephew was told to bring Ona and her daughter back by force, he was not able to find anyone who would help him. Ona continued to live the life of a runaway slave. The Fugitive Slave Law meant that Ona and her children were legally property of Martha Washington's family and could be captured at any time. The Washingtons could have used legal means to have Ona and her children returned to them, but used the fugitive slave law would have become a big part of the public record. The Washingtons wanted to avoid public scrutiny. After George Washington died, Ona was no longer pursued by slave catchers. In 1845, Ona was interviewed by a Concord, New Hampshire newspaper and asked if she was sorry she had left the Washingtons. Her life of freedom had been hard. Her husband died in 1803. She could not afford to raise her children on her own. Ona used her sewing skills to earn a meager wage, but she moved in with another African-American family in order to survive. Her two daughters became indentured servants, and her son went to sea at a young age. In her later years, she was listed as a pauper on the town roll and received support from the local government. 
Mona was asked if she thought she had made the right decision to run away from the Washingtons. She said her freedom, her chance to learn to read, and her opportunity to join a religion of her own choice were reasons why her escape was worth the trouble. Mona died in 1848, the same year Susanna Bradshaw passed away in Boston. George Washington's relationship with human bondage was complicated. Some historians claim that Washington became disillusioned with slavery after the revolution. In 2018, an associate curator at Mount Vernon was asked if that was the case, why he didn't free the more than 100 people he personally held in bondage. Her response was, Washington knew he would have to find another way to operate his plantation and another way to provide income for himself and his family. That might have necessitated really changing the way that he lived and potentially sacrificing a lifestyle that he had become accustomed to. So Washington, as he considered freeing his slaves, doesn't seem to be willing to make a huge financial sacrifice in order to do so. He would have had to come up with some way to get the money to finance an emancipation. And he did look into several ways of doing that by the renting or selling of some of his land but he wasn't able to find a solution that he really found acceptable. Ultimately, Washington chose to free his slaves in his will where he put a provision that would emancipate them at Martha's death, waiting until after both he and his wife died solved his financial issues. Please join us next week for another story from our community's past.